Hello and welcome to Neither the Time Nor the Space, a podcast about Doctor Who. Uh, my name is David, and as always, I am joined by the erudite Matt. Hello there. So, um, it's been a little while since we last recorded. At least it feels like it has, maybe. Yeah, a couple of weeks. Yeah. A couple of weeks. And uh, in that time, uh, we've been watching uh, The Shakespeare Code. Yeah. Now... When I looked up the Shakespeare Code, I always yeah. go get the Wikipedia up and have a yeah. little check just yeah. to see who wrote it and when mm-hmm. it aired, what have you. Yeah. Did you know this episode was originally called Love's Labours 1? I didn't, but, you know, makes sense. And I would say a better title. Why do you think they changed it? Because oh, it's been the Da Vinci Code, wouldn't it? Because it was yeah. around that time. Again, yeah. it just totally dates this episode. Yeah. Like, you <laughs> just get a feel for where the world was when this episode aired. So, so the Da Vinci Code was so big, everything was tacking itself onto it. Yeah, it's because without mm. jumping ahead, the episode has no real bearing on the Da Vinci Code at all. Oh no, no, it was it really is just a naked attempt to kind of file it under because it's not like they're like searching around for a conspiracy. No, or, you no. know, there's there's no kind of parallels to it whatsoever. It's just a, an episode about Shakespeare. Mm. Um, well then. Um, we're just. I think we're just getting. We're just straight out the gates here today, aren't we? No yep. messing around. Let's just talk about the episode. But before we do, um, wanted to mention obviously Gareth Roberts' first time writing mm-hmm. uh, for Doctor Who proper. You have already uh, had a little taste of Gareth Roberts' writing for Doctor uh, for the Doctor Who universe uh, because he was the co-writer of uh, Invasion of the Bane. Oh really? Yeah. Oh. Yeah. So, so he's from Sarah Jane time. Chronicle. Yeah. Again, he's he's one of those writers. Sarah Jane Adventures. Adventures. Yeah. I, I don't know why I always think it's Chronicles. I think you're thinking Sarah Connor Chronicles. Yes. I think that's almost the certainly. Yeah. Almost certain. Um, that would have been a very different show <laughs> with Sarah Jane instead of Sarah. Yeah, Connor. I quite like Sarah Connor Chronicles. Um. Right. So. Um. Yeah, Gareth Roberts. Again, he's of that. He's of that generation, along with likes of Paul Paul Cornell, Stephen Moffat, Mark Gatiss, uh, guys who were writing supplementary Doctor Who mm-hmm. stuff during the Wilderness years. Right. So he's he's one of those writers who's been chomping at the bit. He's finally getting his chance to write for Doctor Who, and he writes the Shakespeare Code. <laughs> I think I I've been critical each series yeah. where we've had these. It always seems to be episode two of each series. Mm. So, two or three. Yeah, so in yeah. the first series we had The Unquiet Dead. Yeah. Series two we had... What would it have been in series two? What was that? It was Tooth and Claw. Tooth and Claw. Celebrity historical. Yeah. As, as and, they're often known. And that's what fandom. we've got here. And I think yeah. this might be the best of them. But I don't know if I'd stretch and say good episode... Listener, I wish you could see my face right now. I I think this is just sort of fine. It's not terrible. It's not great. I wouldn't even go as far as to say it's good or bad. I just think this episode was fine. Like, I didn't didn't really enjoy it, but Mm -hmm. I didn't come out of it feeling as terrible as I have with others. Shall I... um... This is going to be an interesting one, then. I fucking hate this episode. Really? I do not like it at all. Really? No. I mean, it, the thing is, it's got moments. It's got it's got moments that, out of context, are like, there's a line here, there's an idea there, mm-hmm. that like, you know what? That's cool. I enjoy that. That's interesting. But as a whole, 
it it doesn't jibe with me there's, for uh, a, a lot of reasons, which we'll get into. Uh, uh, there's one key reason that I think stopped me really enjoying this. Mm. And do we want to? Should we talk about that now before we get into it, or should we well, want to wait? I mean, I mean, we can because it, yeah. it ties in a little bit to Tooth and Claw, so right? In Tooth and Claw, we have werewolves. Yes. In this episode, we have witches. We do. Yeah. Why, why is it always just aliens? Why can't it just be <laughs> paranormal? Okay. So see, he even says in this episode, yeah. oh, it's witchcraft. But then, but at then the they, end, let it's they just row not. back on that. Yeah. And, and it would be so much more interesting if it was just witchcraft. But then he sure. goes, oh, it's this alien race. And. He pulls the curtain too yeah. far back. Yeah. And the reason is because Doctor Who, though it is the, the, the softest of sci-fi imaginable, it is a science fiction programme and they can't... If you open the door to actual literal magic, then you are... That's just... That pollutes the, the universe mm. in a way which isn't sustainable because it's not like the Marvel Universe or something where you can have science and magic just sort of rubbing shoulders naturally. Yeah. It's not that kind of a world because you've got a, a central character who solves things through logic and intelligence and reason and and however broadly. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So at, at some fundamental level they have to provide a, an earthly a a... A, a, an explanation that can fit with our overall understanding of the universe. Mm. They, not just, oh, it's magic. And that is why I fundamentally cannot get on board with this episode. Mm. Because as you say, it's, they're witches. Yeah. Let's call a spade a spade. They're witches. Yeah, they, 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 they do this sort of fudge of like, oh, but to them, what we, whereas we, uh, our science is founded on on mathematics. Theirs is founded on language, and mm. words have power. What you're describing there, mate, is magic. Yeah, yeah. And I, oh, yeah. I cannot. I, I have no love yeah. for that idea. Yeah, and it just, it, it, it just grates with me to the point that I cannot get on board with this episode. Yeah, I totally agree. <laughs> So, this episode from the 7th of April, 2007? Yep. I mean, the the answer from this point on is always going to be, what was I doing? I was watching Doctor Who. Uh, Like, it's rare that I don't watch an episode as it's going out live. I'd have been... Yeah. I'd have done uni by now. I'd just be at home, milling about, working at B&Q. Yeah. Where you still work to this day? Uh, I wish I did. (laughs) Simpler times. Yeah. So, speaking of simpler times, 1599 is where we are this episode. Yes, indeed. In London. Elizabethan London. And we begin with some sort of bard-type character. He's just a bloke with a lute, isn't he? Yeah. Just stinging it up. Yeah, because at first, when I knew the episode was called The Shakespeare Code. Yeah. At first, I couldn't work out whether this was part of some sort of play or actually happening. Yeah. Because... It could have been either, the, I guess. The yeah. set design's not brilliant. <laughs> I thought this could have yeah. been like a theatre production of Shakespeare. It feels very standing set doesn't it? I mean, yeah. I mean, to be fair, that's because so... 
no whole streets of Elizabethan architecture survive. Oh, no. You have to put it. But, yeah, you do get the feeling this is, like, something they've dusted off from, like, a period drama from about 1992. (laughs) Yeah. Let's just wheel this out. It'll do. So, he's singing up to a girl on a balcony. Yeah. Again, I thought that could have been Romeo and Juliet. I'm not that familiar. Well, with... I, I, they they're kind of referencing. Yeah, that. they're playing. You may, off you that. may notice that there's there's quite a lot of um, oh, references, yes. often not particularly subtle, yeah. uh, to Shakespeare's works. So, so yeah. he sort of earns entrance to this girl's bedroom. He certainly beautiful does. beautiful young girl. Yeah, you know, I'd yeah. be cock of the walk if this <laughs> happened to me in my yeah. youth. Yeah, and. He sort of says tonight's the night. He knows, he knows where this evening's going to take him. Well, he thinks he knows. Yeah, because as <laughs> soon as they start getting on with each other, she's just a rank old witch. Yep, just a horrible old <laughs> bat of a witch. Yeah. So uh, there's, I like well, he walks into her room and there's like you know there's a cauldron, there's like just like uh, bits of like dried out animals and just general like witchy paraphernalia mm. all around this little hovel. No. And and he's quite horrified and she turns around and yeah, it's like they've done like prosthetic makeup. She's cr- you know, crinkly and haggard, hooked nose, classic witch. Now, yeah. bear- bearing in mind this is an objective question, there is a yeah. correct answer. Yeah. What do you think is the best use of witch in popular culture? What, just a, a witch character? Just in any film, television. Okay, right. I've got, can I have two answers? Okay, I mean, I, I, I'm going to write down answer. my okay. answer. Okay. And if you guess it, okay. you can win a prize. Right, okay, well this is a different game then. Because so, I, I, one of the ones I was going to say was, because I, I don't think you're a Pratchett fan, but I was going to say um, the, the witches in Discworld. Um, no, not, not for me. I've never yeah. been into Pratchett. Yeah. Um, so... That being said, for me, it's it's Willow from Buffy. Oh, it's a good answer, but it's wide of the mark. Okay, the correct answer was actually Madame Mim from Disney Sword in the Stone. Ah, oh. well, you know what? That's also decent. Yeah, I, uh, you know, I I have a, a word to say against Sword in the Stone. No, so. the wizard jewel scene from Sword in the Stone is oh. top draw. It is so. Back, back to Doctor Who. I feel I the last couple of episodes we've spent a lot of time sorry. discussing tangents <laughs> yeah. and irrelevant memories. <laughs> so we have the title scene. Yeah. And then we have the Doctor and Martha flying in the TARDIS. Now, without giving the game away, I've obviously watched the next episode. Yeah. And I don't think I like Martha. I, I know that I didn't like Rose at first, yeah. but... You're not warming to Martha so far. No, and yeah. again, I feel like I'm beating the same drum I did with yeah. Rose. The acting's a bit hammy at times. Yeah, I mean, I would say in this episode in particular, she's not given great material to work with. No. I think she's... Um, there, There is a lack of confidence in, in Freema Agyeman's performance, I would say. But I don't, yeah, as I said, I don't think it's helped by... She's given quite clunky lines a lot of the time. And also, in uh, this episode in particular... Well, no, but... there is A lot of the stuff she is given is basically moaning over the Doctor. Uh, yeah. This sort of unrequited love angle, which we will... It's something we will be discussing at a later time. date. And I think... We're, 
I'm going to try and not go into it too much and save a lot of that for the end of the series where we can talk about her arc um, throughout the series. Um, But at this early stage, yeah, she's... It's 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 a bit hard to warm to her as a character because yeah. she. Is, I think I think so, with Rose, yeah. some of my issues were with Billy Piper's portrayal, whereas here I just think the character of Martha's like not very two dimensional at best. Yeah, no, it, it, it's what, a bit flat. Yeah, at the moment it's like, oh, what do we know? Oh, she's really competent. I, yeah, yeah, that's not a an interesting thing no. to watch, is it? She's no, because like, she. Yeah. She does nothing of interest for long periods, but then she can just solve great riddles and mysteries. Yeah, because she's when they need to. And, she's yeah. the human equivalent of a sonic screwdriver. <laughs> That's how I'd describe. It. Yeah. So once they've arrived in London at this time, they discuss the butterfly effect. Yep. Which. I, I feel I discuss on a weekly basis. <laughs> and I, I, I will admire how flippantly the Doctor treats it. Yeah. Where he's just like, where she's like, what if I kill my own grandfather? And um, to which the Doctor says, well, just don't kill your grandfather. Yeah. yeah. Don't tread on any butterflies. <laughs> yeah, don't. Uh, Martha cites race at this point obviously yes yeah you know 1599 london was a very different place and whilst i enjoy how flippantly the doctor deals with um the butterfly effect conversation i do not appreciate how flippantly he deals with the race issue i think this that is a thing which reflects very poorly on this episode and very poorly on the producers for not picking up on it and be like look can we just rewrite this a little bit (laughs) it's strange that 12 years doesn't seem that long a time. No. But the sensibilities around <laughs> these issues yeah. have flipped massively. Yeah, yeah, and I think that is uh, you know, credit to all of the people who for the last decade or so have been so vocal mm. in, in representation and, and, and how much that matters because us sitting here as two um white men in their thirties <laughs> We yeah. we needed that education. I yeah, think. oh, definitely. Because you know, I'm not. I would say I have never in my life been actively racist. I'm not. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm not an intolerant person. Um, however, it is those. It is those casual. It's lack of awareness rather than active bigotry. Yes, that's yes. the thing that 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 um, people are actually fighting against. Um, and yeah, to see, and you see that lack of awareness in this episode when the doctor just says, just walk about like you own the place. Like, that works for you, mate, because yeah. you look like the sort of person who would own the place. Yeah. yeah. So, oh, yeah, no, that rubs me up the wrong way, that, that line. Yeah, and I, I, I can't remember the exact term, but I think when they eventually meet Shakespeare, there's... Yeah. I don't think it's the word Negro, but it's no, similar. We, we'll, yeah, we'll get there, but I, I remember the lines. and We can have a discussion about that as well, because I think that's some interesting dialogue, but maybe yeah. to do with unpicking. But, um, okay, so they go to the Globe Theatre, yep. where Shakespeare does appear. Yes. Because they, they ask... Um, they the, the, There's this uh, the trope um, of, you know, in theatres at the time... 
when people were applauding and, you know, you can't shout encore necessarily because it's not a musical performance. Mm-hmm. It's just, you know, they, what they're going to do, like do another scene. <laughs> you know? um, so they would often shout author if, you know, if they th- thought the playwright might be present and, you know, they can come and take a bow as well. And Martha inadvertently triggers that, <laughs> that uh, thing and sort of says, you know, says to the doctor, do they shout author? And he just sort of says... Well, they do now. (laughs) And when he appears, they do make a point of saying he looks very different to his portraits. (laughs) Yes, yeah. Basically, the actor looks nothing like William Shakespeare. Yeah, and to be fair, and the way he's characterised as well, it's 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 a choice. Yeah. Um, I'm just looking up the name of the actor. I don't know whether I should because you know what? I'm not going to mention it because I'm going (laughs) to pretty much shit on his performance for the rest of this episode. Yeah. Um, I don't like. I don't like his performance. Mm. I don't know that it's the, whether it's just the way Shakespeare's written on the page in this episode. Because mm-hmm. as I say, it is. They make a conscious choice. They're going to portray him as this kind of slightly sleazy, mm. um, very cocky, almost like rock star. Yes, kind of. So it's a little bit like the film Abraham Lincoln Vampire Hunter. Yeah. Where they've just gone, we've got this guy from history. Yeah. And we've got this plot that doesn't really suit them. And we're just going to mash them together. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like, yeah, you know, we don't have the rough. We don't have the... He, he, he's just sort of like this Jack the Lad type. Yeah. With, with like a sort of... Opened almost, yeah, certainly open chest, yeah, blouse, whatever better term, <laughs> yeah. and just yeah, to show off his is, pecs, yeah. Yes. And he's just, you just, we get just like, what a fucking douche, this <laughs> <Yeah>. guy. <laughs> now, another thing that dates this episode yeah. horrifically is yeah. when Shakespeare speaks, Martha asks the doctor whether he has a mini disc so they could record it. <laughs> oh, yeah, I forgot about so, that. Yeah. I, I know we said we're not going off on tangents <laughs> this week, but when we talked about dead technologies oh, a man. couple of weeks ago, yeah, you know, mini disc is surely up there. Oh, absolutely. It is the Betamax of audio equipment. I At school, I remember one... One yeah. lad my age yeah. had a mini disc, yeah. and the only album he had was "The Man Who" by Travis, because that got released on literally every format, yeah. and that was it. What a waste! So he could listen to one album. What? I, it, the, thing, the thing I remember about mini discs, I didn't have one, but was I don't remember anyone actually buying a single release on mini disc. Mm. What I remember is people. Using them to um, create like, because it could you could store masses on a single blank mini disc, yes. and so they would just download um, stuff from you know your Kazars, your Napsters, your Win MXs. Yeah, you know, taking taking you back there, guys, yeah. um, and you would just cram it all onto one mini disc. Um, so they were basically just like you know cassettes, like blank cassettes, but mm. that would like five times the capacity um so but yeah no that oh my god the mini disc reference <laughs> that's i i just have visions of you know i'm hoping obviously one day when my son's old enough that i'll sit down and watch these episodes with him uh you know we may not get get to seriously but you know i live in hope and i i'm looking forward to the day that i'm gonna have to pause the dvd and say to him 
This is a mini disc. And I, I can't believe I just said pause the DVD as well. Yeah. <laughs> like, well, we will be streaming it. For, sure. for example, uh, we've alluded to it a couple of times yeah. that my, my wedding is fast approaching. Oh, yes, it is. And for providing music to the venue, they yeah. asked that we give them it on CD. And I had to order from Amazon a CD rewriter drive because. They're just simply not a thing these days, are they? Really? They couldn't. They wouldn't have it on a USB. No, or iPod. That's crazy. It had to be on CD. So I spent a day <laughs> doing YouTube to MP3 rips and then <laughs> loading, you know, onto a CD. That is ridiculous. Yep, that's absolutely. Ridiculous. It really took me back. <laughs> really took me back. Oh bless. We're getting sidetracked again. <laughs> so during. The speech. Like we say, the reason Martha wants a mini-disc is to record The Lost Play, Love's Labours 1. Yes. Now, I don't know how much of the wiki you read. Um, Love's Labours 1 is a genuinely theorised lost Shakespeare play. Mm-hmm. There is some evidence to support the notion that he actually did write possibly a sequel, possibly a, a completely unrelated play with that title. Um there isn't masses of evidence, but there is yeah. some. And people have debated the veracity of that uh, and will continue to for generations to come and no one will, will ever be able to actually draw a conclusion for it, so it's entirely pointless. But mm. <laughs> but yeah, so, but I, I, I do like when Doctor Who draws on little curious nuggets from history and mm-hmm. weaves them into an episode. Now, a witch... Is yeah. watching over this? Yes. I, I can't remember whether it was the witch from the opening scene, because I think... Am I right in saying... There are three witches. Yeah, yeah. but the the witch from the opening scene, yeah. for the most part of this episode, is in her non-witch form. Yes, yeah. yeah. Presumably because... I, I mean, I don't know entirely why, but, you know, presumably because they wanted, you know, a witch that was going to be a bit easier on the eye mm. for um, most of the episode. Um, yeah, so I think it's one of her because she refers to them, the other two as her mothers. So I think yes. it may be one of the mothers, right? So the Doctor and Martha, yeah, go to visit Shakespeare, and immediately he's enamoured with Martha. Yeah, I mean that's a polite way of putting it. Yeah, he's he's one one drink away from getting a bit too handsy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> He's but a creep. He's at, an absolute creep. At the same creep. time, uh, again, going back to the issue of yeah. race, Martha becomes somewhat of like a curiosity to yes. him. Yes, yeah. Well, he refers to her as... He, he busts out some re- some interesting language, and and it is sort of period appropriate. So yeah. he refers to her as a blackamoor at one point. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think maybe a Nubian queen or something mm. like that and um he also refers to her as a, a dark lady now i don't know how much of a shakespeare scholar you are mm-hmm. um but i don't know if you've heard of um the dark lady of shakespeare's sonnets no he wrote a a, a a quite a number of his sonnets were addressed to this mysterious dark lady right and um there has been a great deal of scholarly time devoted to trying to figure out who that dark lady was, and there are various different theories about 
whether she literally was a black woman living in mm-hmm. London at the time, whether she was one of various members of the nobility that he might have taken a fancy to. Um, there's all kinds of conflicting theories. Mm-hmm. But now we've got this little tidbit to suggest that maybe Martha, it could be Martha. was the, black, the dark lady. So, yeah. So following on from that, Shakespeare is too smart for psychic paper. So the Doctor tries to convince him that there's basically a reason for the Doctor and Martha to impose on his time. But he manages to see straight through it. And then, am I right in saying that Martha can't see through the psychic paper? Yeah, yeah. She uh, so basically flashes it to... um, uh, to Shakespeare, who I think, and I think he says he's like Sir Doctor of Tardis or something yes. like that. And uh, then Martha looks at it and is like, "Oh yeah, no, that's like that's what it says." But it's interesting. It's not the first time we've seen someone uh, resist the uh, psychic paper. Mm-hmm. The last one was I think was the um, Torchwood yes. uh, scientist who'd said that they'd been given a level of psychic training to yes. overcome it. So, but yeah, that Shakespeare, he's just too much of a genius. Mm. He's a clever cat. Yeah. I was rolling my eyes there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, following the conversation, uh, Chap enters. And he reminds me very much of in Blackadder, mm. where Robbie Coltrane is the chap that writes the dictionary. Yes. Yeah. yeah. He has a bit of that. that he vibe. basically storms in and says yes. that. Because at this point. Shakespeare's agreed he's going to show his new play the following day. Yes, yeah, because they, they, it was a performance of Love, Love's Labour's Lost that they were at the previous day, and, and he announces at the end of that performance that he will be debuting Love's Labour's One the following, the following day. And um, much to the uh, annoyance and, and concern of his cast, who are like, you haven't finished writing it yet, <laughs> yeah. Will. Um, but yeah, so yeah, the Master of Revels um, comes in and demands a full script mm-hmm. because obviously his his role and actually the Master of Revels is a genuine um, you know member of the uh, royal court at that yes. time yeah. who had to basically sanction all plays prior to their performance to ensure that they weren't you know they didn't contain treason or or anything like that. Mm-hmm. He was basically the BBFC of his day. Right. right. <laughs> well, he doesn't cancel the play for very long because no. on his way home, the aforementioned witches drown him via voodoo doll. Basically, yeah. So he's literally just walking along the street yeah. and begins spurting water out his yeah. lungs. And this is one of those flashes in this episode that I really do love. I think that's mm-hmm. such a... A weird, cool, interesting uh, concept. Like I've never seen, I've never seen a death like that on screen before. No, no, no. And yeah, so I, I just wish it was in a framed around a better story in a better no, episode. Absolutely. Um, but yeah, I do like that moment because yeah, the, the witches are basically doing everything they can to ensure that this play goes on. You know, yeah. it's obviously part of their plan. Because it's at this point when that chap drowns, the doctor yeah. reaches him just as he passes away. Yeah. And mentions, this is witchcraft. Yeah. Yeah. 
And but then it's I it's, mean, it's not. just not. Oh, but we'll, it is. We'll get to that. But it's not. But it okay. is. But it's not. Yeah. So then we cut to the inn where Martha and the Doctor have to share a bed. Mar- yeah. Martha seems quite keen on the idea. Yeah. Until the Doctor, in quite a cruel tone. Basically says she's a poor man's Rose. Yeah, he just... he, he, he <laughs> He's like, I'm of, having an alright time with you, but I wish Rose was here instead. The thing is, the thing is... Well, he doesn't quite say it that way. He's just... He, he's he's lost in his thoughts. He's trying to puzzle what's going on here. He's, you know, he's just watched a man die in very mysterious circumstances. Like, how is there witchcraft? That shouldn't be a thing. Um, so he's lost in his thoughts. And he sort of says absentmindedly... Wish Rose was here. Rose would know, mm. um, because obviously he's stuck with the rookie now. He'd he 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 and Rose they'd got that dynamic. They were they were in that sweet spot, and now he's having to start fresh. And he doesn't mean to be cruel, no, to to Martha, but it's easy to see why she takes offence. Um, and that kind of sets up. Um, yeah, this we're kind of setting up a dynamic here where Martha wants different things out of her relationship with the Doctor to what the Doctor wants. I mean, yes. the Doctor at this point, he's still thinking this is a one and done thing. Yeah. This is one trip to say thank you, and then you're on your way. Um, so yeah, that's kind of setting out our stall for, for the next uh, few episodes, really. Okay, so whilst they're sleeping at the inn, one of the witches approaches Shakespeare, yeah, who's penning his script, and it's a little bit like the BFG. <laughs> she just sort of blows green smoke yeah. into his ear, yeah, and using a voodoo puppet makes Shakespeare write, right. yeah, the end of the play, but as like an incantation. Yes, it's essentially she's hijacked this thing, and and like, so he's going to have no memory of what he's written. But basically, the final words of the play will will is obviously the key to their plan. Yes, and and I have to to mention here how fucking stupid it is when she's just waggling that little puppet yeah. with a little puppet quill in its hand. <laughs> See, and like, I feel like that's something that maybe you thought on page when you're writing, you're like, oh yeah, this will be cool. And then they actually had to shoot it, and they were like, this puppet looks. Well, we'll, this we'll is keep not on the good. topic of things that are quite stupid, because as she's doing that, yeah. a cleaner breaks into the room yeah. to check on Shakespeare, yeah. and the witch basically kills her. And yeah. then uses the broom to fly away. And you get yeah. a shot where the witch is just like going, woohoo! Yeah. Through the sky. Genuinely, she is flying through a window on a broom, cackling by the light of the moon. Yeah. And it's so on the nose. And you're just like, Jesus, if you wanted, if you wanted to have your cake and eat it and be like, oh, is it witchcraft? Are they aliens? What are... Yeah. Then, oh my God. It's like, if you, if you look... haven't got it yet, these are witches. Look. Yeah. And like, this is the thing. Like, if they had made the choice to be like, they're a bit witchy, but also they're a little bit alieny. If maybe instead of controlling him with a, with a puppet, if they maybe had like a little device with like green LEDs mm-hmm. and, Beeps and boops. If they put little like, so so they're they're witchy in demeanor, and the end results are witchy, but 
they're actually also a bit alien. Yeah. Then maybe this I would have I would be more on board with this episode. But yeah. it's just like you can't get more witch than that, can no. you? Flying on a broom whilst cackling. <laughs> yeah. Jesus, this episode. Right. Okay. So the doctor at this point realizes that the performance is somehow linked to this large-scale witch plot. Yeah. Um, so, he wants to speak to the architect that built the theatre. He wants to know if there's yeah. anything untoward in the plans. Yeah, because th- is this the point where he identifies the fact that there's some significance to the fact that there's 14 signs yes. in, in the Globe yeah. Theatre? It's like, you know, why that particular uh, geometric shape? Mm. Um, and sort of references 14 being a significant number in various mm. cultures and things like that. See, a couple of years ago on a school trip, I went to a reconstruction of the Globe Theatre yeah. to watch Macbeth. Oh, yeah. And it gets so warm in there. We oh, were on, man. like, a cold sort of spring yeah. morning. Yeah. That was my main complaint. That's what the <laughs> architect should have sorted. <laughs> so the architect basically went mad having built this yeah. and was put into Bedlam. Yep. Um, so... The architect, who I, I I meant to look this up, I'm going to look it up right now. I think, unless you can verify for me, is it who I think it is? It's Super it's, Hands, it's Super Hands from right? Peep Show. Yeah. yeah okay. Yeah. Because yeah. I, I, I did the same check. Yeah. Yeah. It is Super Hands yeah. because it, it's hard. Because it looks like Super Hands. Yeah. And it sounds like Super Hands. But it doesn't behave like Superhands. No, I mean it's like it's like Superhands after a re- after he's really, really overdone it on a night. Yeah, <laughs> you know. Because um, I'm certain when I was out in York relatively yeah. recently, Superhands. I mean, I don't even know the real actor's name, but he he does DJ sets at nightclubs. Oh, does he? But in character as super hands it was billed as like yeah. super hands super party or something right yeah i mean i, I feel kind of sorry because like you know when you get actors like that who who are so well cast for one particular part that it's just going to follow them for the rest of their lives yeah he will never not be super hands yeah do you do you have a particular favorite super hands quote rental snake oh i have two yeah. I have men with Ven instead of man man yeah. with a van. Yeah. And where he's talking about his children and he can't work out how old they are and he just goes, How many is Fump? <laughs> God, super see, hands. See, for those character. of you listening that don't know what a super hands is, first of all you're missing out because yeah. you want to watch, watch Peep Show. You want to watch British TV show Peep Show, which is probably one of the best British comedies of all time. Yeah, I mean, on some ca- sometimes it's also the worst. Like they have when when Peep Show is bad, it is mm. atrocious. But when it is good, it is just untouchable. So um, it's he he's you... basically more drugs than human. Yeah, it's basically his character. Yeah, that's a good summary. That's a yeah. good summary. So the actor that plays. Super, Super Hans. We should yeah. really learn his name. He's the architect of. Yeah. Well, He's at least Peter, we're, we're, Peter we're, Street. Yeah. Is the character's name in yeah. this episode? Yeah. Good name for an for an architect. Hmm. What about build a house? A better name for an architect. Yeah. <laughs> so I had to struggle not to do it. I can't believe there. I came up with that <laughs> one just off the top of my head. That is excellent. I was just like, work. what sort of name 
It's for build a house. Yeah. <gasps> build the house. Yeah. Um, anyway. But so, at the same time, the actors begin rehearsing this new play. And as they do, it just opens this huge portal. And the creature inside it isn't similar to one of the witches. It's like a really horrible demony thing. Yeah. Yeah, it's like a sort of... It's like a spectral yeah. shade kind of a thing. Um, but yeah, so it sort of appears and then dissipates, doesn't it? Yeah. Yeah. So the Doctor does his mind meld trick with Peter yeah. Street. Yeah. And struggles, obviously, because he's so bonkers. It's yeah. not as straightforward as when yeah. he's done it with yeah. other people. There's a lot of chaos swirling around in there. And he is able to deduce... That the witches are carrionites. Yes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's how he dis- dispels it, isn't it? Because it, because he he uses the power of naming the thing. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And and says and this is where we get the explanation that in the world of the carrionites, words have power, um, and that's the source of their magic, for want of a better term. Mm. So, is this the first time we've seen Carrionites? Yeah. Okay. And following that, they also realise that Shakespeare never finished his play. So, the play is finished, but Shakespeare doesn't remember having written it. Yeah. And I think initially he's like chalking that up to drinking or whatever, and they're just like, oh, well, hang on. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Maybe there's more at foot here. Yeah. So... Following that, they also realised the shape of the amphitheatre, of the Globe Theatre, yeah. works as an amplifier. Yes. So yeah, this not, is, yeah. not only will the message go out, it will be strengthened yeah. by the construction yeah. of the Globe Theatre. Yeah, and and I think he 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 the doctor is referencing it's not it's it's you know it's not just the the it's the whole combination of things it's having the audience there absorbing those words lending those words additional power by their investment in them and you know it it's the whole sort of alchemy of theater and this is this is basically cuz what under the surface what gareth roberts is trying to do with his episode is say like theater is magic Yes. You know, that is, in essence, what they're playing on. Mm-hmm. Um, and sort of just taking that to it, to this sort of literal extreme. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, it, I don't know. It, it just, it really stretches my credulity. Mm. Even for a show that, about a you know, time-travelling alien. <laughs> yeah. Is it, is it at this point where... Having got all this information, they realise they need to go to the Globe Theatre. That whilst they're doing their usual little bit of running about, yeah. the Doctor says, "Oh, it's this way," and then just randomly, Martha goes, "No, it's this yeah. way," yeah. and then the Doctor goes, oh, "Oh, yeah, it's this way." <laughs> yes, yeah. And what what's that about? It's a bit of a gag. In fact, it's a bit of a retread of a gag. I don't even know they do something very similar in um, uh, the season two finale when they're in Torchwood and the Doctor is kind of taking control of the situation and strides off confidently down a corridor and, you, and you're just seeing the corridor like through the door of the room they were in previously. So he like strides off confidently to the right and um, 
uh, I forget her name now, Tracy Ann Oberman's character, who mm. says, no, Doctor, and, <laughs> yeah, and he just starts striding in the other direction. Back the other way. So, yeah, that's, I mean, it's just a little, it's a little indication of his character, just like, he is supremely confident, mm. to the point of not necessarily always checking. There's, there's a bit as well, where they sort of got, they're looking for the witch's house, yeah. and Martha says, oh, how can you tell this is the witch's house? And at that point, the door, like, blows open, smoke billows out. <laughs> it's like a horrible, creaky old door. Yeah. And ominous music and lighting yeah. come from within. I don't know. I don't think the humour hit the mark this episode. It's quite broad, Yeah, the humour in this episode, I would say. So, once they finally get to the globe, Shakespeare stops the play. Yeah. Or at least he tries until all the witches voodoo him and yeah. get him. Yeah. And then, because are, are they? Is it rehearsals at this point, or is it? Or is it? The I think actual it's the actual play. Yeah, I can't remember. Because certainly, when it reaches its climax, yeah. the theatre oh, is yeah, full. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And we've talked about Martha's sort of intelligence yeah. and skills. Yeah. And there's a point where she sort of oversteps her ability, and I know we talked about where Rose would sometimes become like pseudo doctor. Mm. There's a bit where Martha. You know, tries to take the lead, yeah. but again, the witches just knock her out. Yeah, because uh, she she's observed the the doctor, you know, managing to dispel the the carrionite coming through mm. uh, by saying, "I named the carrionite," and then oof, off it goes. And so Martha tries the same trick. Yeah. She saw she saw because it, well, and they just sort of go, "Only works once, love." Yeah, <laughs> and then just move on. Yeah, exactly. I mean, and you can't fault. You know, Martha is, she's a, a, a doctor in training. She is a rational, logical, scientifically minded mm. person. She has observed a particular cause and effect and has no reason to assume that that wouldn't be a repeatable experiment, mm. if you like. So, so you know, fair play to her. But no, it doesn't work. No. And she gets taken out. Um, yeah. And... This is where we get one bit of the episode that I did quite like. Right. And it's... Obviously, we've talked about how the Carrionite strength is based on words. Yes. And we realise the new sort of surge in their power yeah. has come from Shakespeare's words. Because yeah. he's been inventing a new, new yeah. terms yeah. and things like that. Yeah. And it all relates to the death of his son. Yes. And it's his grief which is actually powering... Yeah. yeah, sort of by proxy, not yes. intentionally. Yeah, but yeah, he's imbuing his words with so much emotion and uh, mm. stuff like that. that so I, I liked kind of that little that. link. Yeah, and nod. If, that's the thing. If you buy into the central premise of words having power, like <laughs> like magical power, then you you can see you can see what Gareth Roberts is going for here, <laughs> and it really is. It's just an attempt to, to to celebrate the power and the beauty and magic of language and theatre and stuff like that. And I get all that. And if it wasn't Doctor Who, I maybe wouldn't even. If it was like just a kids' film or something, yeah, about you know Shakespeare and witches and, mm. and stuff like that, it would probably be all right. You have, know. Have you ever seen the film The Phantom Tollbooth? No, I haven't. A, I'm aware of the book. Yeah. I've not read it, but it, it's essentially where a boy goes to a magical land. Yeah. And the kingdom's split in two. So you have the math magician yeah. in charge of one. And I I think he might be called something like King Lexicon. 
right. he's in charge of the other, uh, right, and it's okay. about the... maths and language and yeah, basically, don't throw away your youth. <laughs> Use yeah. it to learn. Yeah, it's a great film. Great film. Oh, it's got some good songs check it in out. it. Yeah. Um, from there, the witches want to intervene mm. and put a stop to this. So they make a voodoo doll of the Doctor. Yeah. And they Pierce... love their voodoo dolls, don't they? Yeah. Which, again, they're... not word-based. Plus, they're pretty good for the time that they used to make them. Yeah. So, with that, they put a pin through the heart of the voodoo doll yeah. to kill the Doctor. And <laughs> that's where this episode ends. The end, no more Doctor <laughs> Who. Ah, but you are forgetting. The Doctor has not one, <laughs> but two hearts. That's coming up a lot at the mm. minute, isn't it? Yeah. Right. Has it been the last two episodes, at least? Yeah, possibly. Certainly. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, because it was definitely referenced in Smith and Jones. Yeah. yeah. I'm glad you said that, because I was just like, definitely in uh, Hospital on the Moon. <laughs> yeah. I couldn't remember the title. Yeah. I'll just the Dunes on the Moon. Yeah. Right. So, <coughs> he has two hearts. Yeah. And basically, yeah. their yeah. voodoo doll doesn't really do a great deal. It's well, just no, more like a take, minor well, inconvenience. Yeah, it takes out one of his hearts, so he's a bit he's a bit on the ropes. But like Martha manages to jumpstart it mm. using her medical uh, know-how. Well, that's another bit that's like not as funny as it's maybe yeah, meant to be. Yeah, yeah, because there's a lot of like, oh, hit me here, no, hit me here, and yeah, yeah it's just... and in the end, she just sort of punches him yeah. to get him back to yeah. health. Yeah, yeah, I, I don't know whether I like that bit. Yeah. Okay, so the play is running and it opens the portal. Yeah. Hundreds of witches spill out. Yeah, and I, I will admit, I do quite like when you've got the actors on stage doing their big grandiloquent Shakespearean pronouncements and then all of a sudden it just starts to be like these weird like sci-fi coordinates. Yes. To some, like, yeah. But then delivering it in that style and like I like the sort of weird jarring... So, moment and that's what I want a bit more of I wanted just that little sprinkle of more sci-fi in how the Karenites operated mm. because at that at the end it's not like just normal words they are actually they are like scientific coordinates and I know I I pick apart what limited knowledge of Doctor Who I have yeah it, it annoys me somewhat that the Karenites although you know they have sort of a different reasoning and what have you. Yeah. They're basically the Gelf, aren't they? They're just like yeah. weird floaty ghosts. No, I was gonna, at the end of the episode, I was going to talk about the similarities with this and uh, Unquiet Dead. We can talk about it now, but yeah, but it's it, so similar. They, it, I mean, it would mean more. They, they have an opportunity, if they have a series of really similar stories, to establish, like, this generation's Dalek... If yeah. you know what I mean, yeah. they could establish like a new big villain. Yeah, but they've they just not, don't. Yeah, they're just not doing that. Yeah, I mean, it's got to be the right one. Is the thing you know? Nobody Terry Nation didn't create the Daleks expecting them to be as iconic as they turned out to be. Mm. It was because those particular episodes just hit in a way yeah. that that meant that that the show could be like, oh, that worked, let's have a bit more of that. Mm -hmm. We're in the early stages yet, still being like, they haven't necessarily found what's 
worked because nobody, you know, even I, as as a staunch defender of the Unquiet Dead, I'm not necessarily clamouring for the Gelf to come back. Mm. You know, I don't think we've yet reached a monster with a unique enough concept that you could actually see it sustaining return appearances. Because the only ones we've seen come back in the episodes I've watched so far are the Daleks, the Cybermen, and the Slitheen. Yes. Um, Slitheen are a new creation Mm -hmm. for New Who. But even then, we've only seen them in series one. Uh, you know, we're in series and, three. I, I know you don't no... like giving things yeah. away. Is there any more Slovene to come? Not in uh, the main show. Right. I believe they, yeah. they become a common foe in Sarah Jane Adventures. Right. Which, to be honest, is probably where they're best suited. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I don't I don't hate that decision. But I think they, they might be in the odd Thoreau reference here and there. Yeah. But I know they don't come back in the main show. Because we did see them in, was it in Dalek? In you get Van yeah, Staten's like, museum, claw and stuff like that. Yeah, um, yeah. I think there's the odd nod here and there to them, but yeah, don't expect another Slovene two-parter of, anytime soon. Of the episodes we've seen, yeah, outside of Dalek and Cyberman, yeah. because they're sort of in a league of their own. Yeah, which would you like to see make a comeback most? Oh, right. I'm, I'm, ra- I'm racking through my brain here trying to think about what have we seen, what haven't we seen. Um, Jadoon. I do like a Jadoon. Um, what else have we had? How am I blanking on this all of a sudden? So, series one we had... Um, Series one is so Dalek dominated that all I can think about is Daleks. Yeah, and so that's it. true. Um, but there were others. So we had the Gelf. Yeah, we had um, the Invisible Chuck. The the Wire. The Wire. In fact, I talked about it in that episode as well. I would love an eighties set sequel to the Idiot's mm. Lantern. Yeah, because I, I was going to say the. The World War Two gas mask baby. Yeah, yeah. But uh, what, what's but his th- name? The Empty Child. The Empty Child. That's but obviously, but the way that episode resolves, so, there's you no can't room do that for again, sequel. Yeah. So yeah, probably the wire. Probably makes the most sense. Yeah. In that, it's almost like a technology-based foe yes. in a time where there wasn't very much technology. Yeah. So let's see it in a modern age. Yeah. Now, I I know this is going to annoy you when I say it, mm. but I would like to see Adam return as a villain. Yeah, no, no. I, he, I, he has mm. all the motivation mm-hmm. to come after the Doctor. Yeah. He has this new super brain that yeah. could be imbued with knowledge. Yeah. It is basically a super villain's origin story that we see yeah. in uh, the long game. Um, so yeah, I do. I do see the the logic behind that. And obviously, nowadays you can't cast Bruno Langley. No, I don't know if we've talked about him in the past. What? No, you haven't. He did some naughty things. Oh, did he? What? Yeah. What sort of things did he do? Naughty, sexy things. Mm. Andy heck? was found guilty. Yeah. Um, but bad you, egg. I would yeah, say. Yeah. If I, if I was to think of the a term. worst, a yeah. rotten egg. Yeah. But you could. Similar to what we saw in Age of Steel, you could just put him in a robot body 
and go, oh, yeah, exactly, I'm so yeah. clever, I've developed yeah, this yeah, technology. You could, just, you could just hear him like a, yeah, just like a half bionic face or something yeah. like that and, yeah, just recast yeah. it. Yeah, that's an interesting thought. Yeah. yeah. We keep going off on tangents. That's all right. Even though we yeah. swore we wouldn't this week. I don't know. It's not It's not an interesting episode to talk about. <laughs> right. Should anyway. we, we get through the end? <coughs> yeah, so, so they're doing the pronouncement. Portal opens. Carrionites are streaming through. So Shakespeare is told that his words have so much power. Yeah. He should expel them. Yeah. He goes through a short verse, basically saying goodbye. Can't think of a final word. Yeah. So Martha throws out Expelliarmus from yeah. Harry, Harry Potter. Yeah. And to celebrate, having rid the world of these witches, yeah. Shakespeare tries to kiss Martha, but his yeah. breath stinks. Yeah. Again, like, that's where this episode should have ended. It could have just gone like, do-do-do-do. Yeah. But. So, finally, the Doctor, in conversation with Shakespeare... Shakespeare realises that he is an alien. That's the Doctor, yeah. sorry, not Shakespeare. Yeah. And he also works out that Martha's from the future. Mm-hmm. Again, this feels like a very conscious echo of the ending of The Unquiet Dead, where mm. where, the, where um, Dickens is he's kind of fully sussed the Doctor there. You have such knowledge of future times. And, yeah. You know. Um, so they're just doing that again. And then... <laughs> Basically, they say their goodbyes, and the Doctor and Martha head back to the TARDIS. But, but there's a little twist. From nowhere. Yeah. And, and I, I still haven't really wrapped my head around this. Okay. Just Queen Elizabeth I appears. Because she's, she's you know, here to see the play. She's heard such, she's heard such good things about um, Love's Labour's... Uh, one that mm. she wants to come and because uh, they did the joke earlier in the episode that the yeah. queen never comes to see yeah. the plays. Yes, yeah. So she's here and she recognizes the doctor mm. and denounces him as her sworn enemy. Yeah, and so and the doctor sort of has no idea what's going on, none whatsoever, mm. because Cause time at, travel. Yeah, because at first I wondered if it was a nod to the end of Tooth and Claw. Nope. Where royalty exile the doctor. But that happens after, you know. Yeah, that happens way after. So, um, so yeah, it's just it's just a case that um, at some point, at some in point time, in in the doctor's future, he will meet Queen Elizabeth the first and do something to royally piss her off. Yeah, but we haven't seen that yet. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, and that's where this episode ends. They run away. Yep. With with to be fair, I do quite like the shot. The the last shot I think is like an arrow, like <laughs> flinging into the TARDIS door. It is like yeah. just a second later. Um. So yeah, it's an okay. Episode. It's all right. It's look. It's just trying to be a bit of fun. Yeah. Basically, um, it's not setting its sights massively high. It's a bit of a knockabout. Let's make some jokes about Shakespeare plays. Let's let's. Extol the virtues of writing. It, I will be honest. There is nothing more self-indulgent than a writer writing about other writers, mm. and and writing about the sort of the power of language and the importance of writing. It's just like, yeah, we know, mate. You you like your job. That's yeah. nice for you, but you know, Gareth Roberts, bless him, he's not Shakespeare, is he? No, no. Swing and um, a miss on this one, I would say. Yeah, that's the thing. It's it's. Um, I don't. 
I would I would like to like it more because you know I love the Unquiet Dead. I don't I don't have any objection to like the sort of celebrity historical format of go to go back in time, meet some famous person from the past, have a bit of a rollicking adventure, and then it's off to the next thing. I like that. That's good Doctor Who for me. Mm-hmm. But the whole magic witchy stuff and the and the humour that misses more often than it lands. Makes it a bit just of a dud. There, it? It's just a bit of a dud, yeah. But hey ho, you know, that's this is Doctor Who. Sometimes it hits, sometimes it misses. Either way, you dust yourself off and it's on to the next one. And the next one for us will be Gridlock. Yes. Which um, should be an interesting discussion. So I hope you join us for that, listeners. Until then, thank you very much for listening and uh, cheerio. Bye now. Thank you for listening to Neither the Time Nor the Space. If you wish to contact us, our email address is timenorspacepod at gmail.com and on Twitter we are at timenorspacepod. And thank you to Alexander Urban for his smashing arrangement of the Doctor Who theme.